Dear loving Father in heaven, we thank you for the good things that you do for us, for your goodness, for your love, for provision, for protection, and especially we thank you for the spiritual blessings you give to us. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the ministry of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we also thank you for the ministry of your holy angels working tirelessly on our behalf. Lord in heaven, as we fellowship with you now, we pray that you would fill us. Your word has promised that those who hunger and test for righteousness shall be filled. Fill us now, dear Lord. Please put your words in my mouth that it may be water to the testy and bread to the hungry and it may impart to us vitality, strength and edification. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage May 9 God remembered. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, remember me. Judges chapter 16 verse 28. In suffering and humiliation, a sport for the Philistines, Samson learned more of his own weakness than he had ever known before, and his afflictions led him to repentance. As his hair grew, his power gradually returned, but his enemies, regarding him as a fettered and helpless prisoner, felt no apprehensions. The Philistines ascribed their victory to their gods, and exalting, they defied the God of Israel. A feast was appointed in honor of Dagon, the fish god, the protector of the sea. From town and country, throughout the Philistine plain, the people and their lords assembled. Throngs of worshippers filled the vast temple and crowded the galleries about the roof. It was a scene of festivity and rejoicing. There was the pomp of the sacrificial service, followed by music and feasting. Then, as the crowning trophy of Dagon's power, Samson was brought in. Shouts of exultation greeted his appearance. People and rulers mocked his misery and adored the God who had overthrown the destroyer of their country. After a time, as if weary, Samson asked permission to rest against the two central pillars which supported the temple roof. Then he silently uttered the prayer, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines. With these words, he encircled the pillars with his mighty arms, and crying, Let me die with the Philistines. He bowed himself, and the roof fell, destroying at one crash 
all that vast multitude. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. The idol and its worshippers, priest and peasant, warrior and noble, were buried together beneath the ruins of Dagon's temple, and among them was the giant form of him whom God had chosen to be the deliverer of his people. The contest, instead of being between Samson and the Philistines, was now between Jehovah and Dagon, and thus the Lord was moved to assert his almighty power and his supreme authority. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is God Remembered. As we have been looking at the life of one of the prestigious judges of Israel known as Samson, we see a contrast and lessons. We see lessons that we need to learn. Indeed, one weakness can destroy a man. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And this is the reason that as Christians, we should have no weak point in our character. Whatever weaknesses we have, we need to focus on it, deal with it, and ensure that those weak points become our strengths. Samson failed to do this and he was betrayed by a woman. And let us not focus on the fact that it was a woman that betrayed him. Anything can betray us. It may be our own self-exaltation. It may be our own pride that is our weakness. It may be any other lust of the flesh that may be drugs, alcohol. It may be a fitful passion, anger. It may betray us. It may be a mouth that is quick to speak. Anything at all that is a weak point in our character, the devil is intending to seize upon it and use that to bring us down to a piece of bread. Samson had his eyes plucked out, gorged out of his face, and his hair cut off, his strength was lost, and now he was a sport for the Philistines to make mockery, not just of himself, but of God. This teaches us a lesson that it is always Satan's plan to attack the generals in the Lord's army. He hates Jesus, the captain of the salvation, the captain of the hosts. Since he cannot get to him, he knows that the generals in his army are the ones who does the greatest blow to his, to his kingdom and therefore he knows that to attack them is the best policy because when you strike the shepherd the sheep will scatter and this he did to one of the most prestigious judges of all the judges in israel none of them had the appearance of the lord come to the parents before he was even born to talk to the parents about him this is just like the lord appearing to mary or appearing to elizabeth and telling them about their children john the baptist and jesus Samson, if he had conducted himself aright, would have been just like a John the Baptist. But here we learn a lesson that even if the Lord has great plans for us, it is in our hands to permit the destiny and 
the plan for the Lord in our lives to be fulfilled or not. If we do not cooperate with Him, then there's nothing the Lord can do. Just so that we put our lesson in perspective, like we just read in our devotion, there was a feast that was made unto Dagon, and the trophy of Dagon's conquest, Samson, was brought there on display so that they can rejoice and make a feast to their god Dagon for having delivered unto them their enemy, Samson. And now in Judges 16 verse 28 it says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Like I was saying, it is the policy of Satan to destroy the people of God. Reading from the book, The Reformed Pastor, written by Richard Baxter. Here is how he put it. He says, Accordingly, Satan hates the leaders under Christ more than he hates the common soldiers. He knows he can rout the soldiers if the leaders fall before their eyes. He has tried that way of fighting for a long time, not against great or small, comparatively speaking, but striking the shepherds so that he may scatter the flock. So great has been his success this way that he will continue to follow it as far as he is able. Take heed, therefore, brothers, for the enemy has a special eye on you. You will have his most subtle insinuations and incessant solicitations and violent assaults. As wise and learned as you are, take heed to yourselves, lest he outwit you. The devil is a greater scholar than you, a nimbler disputant. He can transform himself into an angel of light to deceive. He will get within you and trip you up by the heels before you are aware. He will play the trickster with you, undiscerned. He will cheat you of your faith or innocence and you will not know that you have lost it. Worse, he will make you believe your faith is multiplied or increased. When in fact it is lost, you will see neither hook nor line, much less the subtle angler himself, while he is offering you his bait. And his bait will be so fitted to your temper and disposition that he will be sure to find advantages within you and make your own principles and inclinations betray you. And whenever he ruins you, he will make you the instruments of ruin to others. Oh, what a conquest he will think he has if he can make a minister lazy and unfaithful, or if he can tempt a minister into covetousness or scandal. He will glory against the church and say, These are your holy preachers. See what their strictness is like and where it brings them. He will glory against Jesus Christ himself and say, These are your champions. I can make your best servants abuse you. I can make the stewards of your house unfaithful. If he insulted God on a false surmise and told him he could make Job curse him to his face, then what will he do if he should actually prevail against you? In the end, he will insult God as much over you that he could draw you to be unfaithful to your great trust and to blemish your holy profession and to so greatly serve the one who was your enemy. Oh, do not gratify Satan to this extent. Do not let him make sport of you. Do not allow him to use you as the Philistines used Samson 
first depriving you of your strength, then putting out your eyes and finally making you the object of his triumph. Here these words expressed are to us, every one of us who today are expressing publicly and making it clear that we are Christians, but especially to those who are the generals and leaders of the army, they are the ones who must take heed to themselves. Samson did not take heed to himself. The instruction to us is take heed to thyself. That means be careful. Watch yourself. The devil is coming for you. He's coming for me. He's coming for all of us, which means we need to pray for one another. And the words I just read now is just telling us why we should take heed. And one of the reasons is just what we have read, what happened to Samson. That if we do not take heed, we can bring great shame to the Lord as Samson did. And we can make our own fall to be an account for which the Lord will be derided, mocked and reproached. For this reason, we are advised from the life of Samson that we should take heed. Another thing is that we should understand that if we do not take heed, we cannot even fight against Satan. Even if he doesn't bring us down, we will not be successful in our labors. For us to be successful in our labors, we need to take heed to ourselves. Those weak points of characters need to be dealt with because if we have something about Satan in us that we love, a weak point on character, how can you then fight against him? You are on his side. It is not possible for you to fight the battles of the Lord while continually indulging in something that is of the devil. Still reading from Richard Baxter's book, The Reformed Pastor, he said, Do you think it is likely that someone will fight against Satan with all his might if he is himself a servant to Satan? Will he do any great harm to the kingdom of the devil if he is himself a member and a subject of that kingdom? Will he be true to Christ if he is in covenant with his enemy? Now, this is the case of all un unsanctified men of whatever rank or profession they are. Let me just pause. That means it doesn't matter whether you are a member or a pastor or a leader. This is your case. This is our case, let me say. If we are unsanctified, but then we are in covenant with, with Satan. And continuing the reading now, it says, they are the servants of Satan and the subjects of his kingdom. He is the one who rules in their hearts. And are they likely to be true to Christ if they are ruled by the devil? What prince will choose the friends and servants of his enemy to lead his armies in war against him? This is what has made so many preachers of the gospel enemies to the work of the gospel which they preach. No wonder such men deride the holy obedience of the faithful. While they take upon themselves to preach a holy life, they cast reproaches on those who practice it. Oh, how many such traitors have been in the church of Christ in all ages, which have done more against him under his colors than they could have done in the open field. They speak well of Christ and of godliness in general, and yet they slyly do what they can to bring them into disgrace and make men believe that those who strive to seek God with all their hearts are a company of enthusiasts and hypocrites. And when they cannot for shame speak that way in the pulpit, they will do it in private among their acquaintances. Alas, how many such wolves have been set over the sheep? If there was a traitor among the twelve in Christ's family, no wonder if there are many now. 
it cannot be expected that a slave of Satan, whose God is his belly and who mind earthly things, should be any better than an enemy to the cross of Christ. What if he lives civilly and preaches plausibly and outwardly maintains a profession of religion? He may be held as fast in the devil's snares by worldliness, pride, a secret distaste of diligent godliness, or by an unsound heart that is not rooted in the faith nor unreservedly devoted to Christ as others are held fast by their drunkenness, uncleanness, and similar disgraceful sins. Publicans and harlots sooner enter heaven than Pharisees because they are sooner convinced of their sin and misery." End of quote. So here it is that if we are unsanctified, if we have one weak point of character, something that we are indulging in as members of the body of Christ, what are we going to do? Are we going to be real fighters for him? Are we going to fight his battles? No, we will fight against those who are different from us. And there are many such traitors today. They will call those who are diligently seeking to please the Lord hypocrites and enthusiasts and fanatics. Are they fighting the battles of the Lord when they are doing that? No, they are fighting the battles of the enemy because they have indulged something about the enemy in themselves. Like we just read, it could be worldliness, an unsound heart, a secret distaste of godliness. They have it in their hearts, but they appear as though they are indeed on the Lord's side. But when they speak of those who are truly on the Lord's side, they will call them extremists and all kinds of names to make them look bad. And what is the reason behind this? Because they are indulging in something that they love that is from the kingdom of Satan. And those who are not indulging in those things, they will cry them down and speak ill of them. We need to take heed. Any one of us, not just leaders, any or everyone needs to take heed lest we fight the battles of the devil while under the colors of the Lord Jesus Christ. Continuing this reading from the Reformed Pastor, he says, Such are the thoughts and talk of people which your negligence give rise to. They will let you preach against their sins and talk as much as you want about godliness in the pulpit. If you will only let them alone afterwards and be friendly and fun-loving with them when you have finished and return to talking as they do and living as they do and become indifferent with them in your conversation. For they look at the pulpit like a stage, a place where preachers must show themselves and play their parts, where you have liberty for an hour to say what you are inclined to say. But they will not value what you say if you do not show them by saying it personally to their faces that you were earnest and did indeed mean it all. Is that man then likely to do much good? Or is he fit to be a minister of Christ if he will only speak for Christ and are on the Sabbath and by his life preaches against him all week and indeed makes his own public words a lie? Even if any of the people are wiser than to follow the examples of such men, the loathsomeness of their lives will still make their doctrine less effectual. Though you know the meat to be good and wholesome, it may make a weak stomach turn if the cook or the servant who carries it has leprous or even dirty hands. Take heed therefore to yourselves, if you ever intend to do good to others." End of quote. So, another reason we should take it from what we are just reading is, if your life is contradicting what you are saying, it is just like a cook whose hands are dirty but his food looks sweet. 
and good and healthy. How many people want to eat a good food coming from a cook that you see that is looking all dirty, he's smelling? And that is it. Many people will not want to listen to the words of any Christian whose life is not in harmony with what they are speaking. You may say all the flowery and nice and high standard things from the word of God. But if your life is contradicting what you are saying, you only make the thing you are saying to be obnoxious to the ears of the people who are listening. So if we want to have force and power with God, and if we really want to fight on his side, then we are not to indulge like Samson. Because the people will look at you, he's sleeping with Delilah. Then why should we follow his God? He is, uh, he's sleeping with a harlot all the time. Why should we listen to Samson? We see him with Delilah. So whatever he's saying about his God, it wouldn't have any power on the Philistines. And so with us today, we won't have power on the world when the world is seeing us engaging in the same scenes that they are engaging in. The preaching of the word of God to them will just be like something that will turn their stomach because they are looking at the person, they are looking at us. Our lives are not in harmony with what we are saying. It just makes them that they want to throw up their nauseous because their life is contradicting the words. So that is one lesson we should get from the life of Samson. He was brought down because of his indulgences and his weak, weak points. And like I said, we Christians are not to have any weak point of character. We are to come to Christ for him to make our weakness to be our strength. And the Lord said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So we have grace and help from the Lord. But another important lesson from the life of Samson is that the Lord does not forsake his own. As we read concerning Samson, we realize that in this his distress, he realized his weakness more than any other time. And then in Judges 16 verse 28, it says, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, of the one with his right hand, and of the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell upon the lords, and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him, and brought him up, and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol, in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel twenty years. And so comes, and this brings an end to a life that could have been one of the greatest of judges of Israel. And like David said, I also say in the book of Second Samuel chapter one, verse nineteen, the beauty of Israel is slain upon the high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. And this is a lesson for us. It shouldn't be something pleasant to talk about the fall of God's ministers. It's only Philistines that rejoice to talk about that. And if you see yourself rejoicing over the fall of a man of God, then 
you know very well that you are not a child of God. You are indeed a Philistine. Because the Bible tells us that love rejoices in good and doesn't rejoice in iniquity. For those who would laugh and mock and see the man of God in sin and look at it as a, a, a reason to point at it and rejoice that they have finally caught him. Mm. And it doesn't make you sad to see the man of God in sin and weep for the reproach that is coming to the Lord. Then you are verily a Philistine. But the lesson I want to bring out from here is to realize that God did not forget his own. When Samson prayed, God remembered him and did not forget him. But the Lord heard his prayer. Samson could have said like David in Psalms 18 verse 3 downward, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. Brothers and sisters, let us not think that we cannot call upon God because we have sinned against him. The Lord is merciful, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not turn his face from us when we have repented. Samson was afflicted and that's another thing we should learn. It is good for us to be afflicted. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verse 11, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. So it is important that if God corrects us on time, we will not keep going into our evil ways. Sometimes we feel the pangs of illness and sickness upon us. And in such times, we are just like Samson with our eyes plucked out and our strength taken from us. Times like these are times when we should review our lives and let the affliction correct us. David loved affliction and he said in the book of Psalm 119 verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept thy word. He also said in verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. And then he said in verse 75, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Which would you prefer? Would we not prefer that the Lord afflicts us, so that we do not go like a snowball falling down uncontrollably into sin? Sometimes when we enter into our indulgences, it looks as if there is no stopping us. We just keep going and going like Samson. We want to stop, but we can't stop. At such times, it will not be a bad idea to pray for our souls. Lord, please help me. If it is by affliction, let it be that I do not continue in sin because sin is killing you compared to affliction that will just correct you. But better still, we can exercise faith and receive strength from the Lord to stop by ourselves in the power of the Lord. The word of God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord remembered Samson and the Lord will remember us whenever it is that we fall and realize our fall and pray to the Lord, 
he will surely remember us. Reading from the Acts of the Apostles, that's a book, page 476, it says, Through the power of Christ, men and women have broken the chains of sinful habits. They have renounced selfishness. The profane have become reverent, the drunken sober, the profligate pure. Souls that have borne the likeness of Satan have become transformed into the image of God. Amen. And I pray that this will be our own experience. Be encouraged to know that wherever it is you have fallen, no matter how low, Samson fell really, really low. He hit, he, he hit rock bottom. But the Lord heard him. And be encouraged from this devotion to know that no matter how you have fallen, the Lord will hear you. And I just want to read something to help us, to encourage us that the Lord will hear us. Reading from the devotional in Heavenly Places, page 122 and downward, it says, In order to fight successfully in the battle against sin, you must keep close to Jesus. Do not talk unbelief. You have no excuse for doing this. Unbelief always separates the soul from Christ. It is not praiseworthy to talk of our weakness and discouragement. Let each one say, I am grieved that I yield to temptation, that my prayers are so feeble, my faith so weak. I have no excuse to plead for being dwarfed in my religious life, but I am seeking to obtain completeness of character in Christ. I have sinned, and yet I love Jesus. I have fallen many times, and yet he has reached out his hand to save me. I have told him all about my mistakes. I have confessed with shame and sorrow that I have dishonored him. I have looked to the cross and have said, All this he suffered for me. The Holy Spirit has shown me my ingratitude, my sin in putting Christ to open shame. He who knows no sin has forgiven my sin. He calls me to a higher, nobler life and I press on to the things that are before. The humility that bears fruit, filling the soul with a sense of the love of God, will speak for the one who has cherished it. In the great day when men will be rewarded according as their works have been, happy will be the one of whom it, it can be said, the Spirit of God never stirred this man's soul in vain. He went forward and upward from strength to strength. Self was not woven into his life. Each message of correction, warning and counsel he received as a blessing from God. Thus, the way was prepared for him to receive still greater blessings, because God did not speak to him in vain. Each step upward on the ladder of progress prepared him to climb still higher. From the top of the ladder, the bright beams of God's glory shone upon him. He did not think of resting, but sought constantly to attain the wisdom and righteousness of Christ. Ever he pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This experience everyone who is saved must have. Amen. This is an experience that we must all have. Often in our experience as we're walking to Canaan, we may have this Samson's experience. Not just in a private, sinning in private, we may put the Lord to open shame by our life, maybe somebody may be tempted into covetousness, into stealing, into lying, and it will be brought to the public that you lied, or because of one other act that you did and you try to cover it up, 
you lied. These things may come to the open. And when we hit rock bottom like Samson, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't be like Judas who hung himself. The Lord is there to listen to your prayers. When you call upon him, he will remember you. I want to close by reading this wonderful, lovely Bible passage in the book of Micah. It's a source of encouragement. It has been one to me and I'm sure it will be a source of encouragement to you also. It is taken from the book of Micah 7 from verse 7. It says, Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord, because I have sinned against him, until he plead my cause and executes judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light, and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it, and shame shall cover her which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as the mire of the streets. Brothers and sisters, let us be encouraged. Have you fallen? Don't give up. Are you still on the ground? You need to get up. Because we have a Savior who can save us to the uttermost. And some will say to the guttermost. Have you so dishonored God and dishonored yourself that you have done something that is terrible? I, I've heard stories of people who have done such. And some, many of us have done. It's just that it's not open things if the lord were to bring out all the things we have done into the public then our eyes will be plucked out like samson and then we will lose our strength when everybody in the world will know the things we have done none is the wiser none is the holier we all in one way or another are like samson the only thing is just that we have not been brought to open shame so let us not look down on people but rather let us encourage them with words like these Point them to Micah 7. Tell them, don't give up. And you too, don't give up. Get up. It may be as bad as you shaming the Lord in public, but get up. You have no right to give up. The Lord is there to hear our prayers. Have faith in his words. He said that anyone who comes to him, he will not cast out and he won't cast you out. So, in, in having faith in those words, let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we thank you for encouraging us with the life of Samson. Help us, Lord, not to hit rock bottom. Help us, Lord, to stop ourselves on our tracks before getting to that place where we put you to open shame and shame ourselves even more. Please, Lord, save us. Is there someone who is in despair because of the things they have done, shaming themselves and dishonoring the Lord? Please, inspire in such a heart faith to know that you have not outrightly rejected them and that you are a lord for those who are the worst of sinners lord thank you for your goodness and thank you for your mercy receive us into your arms as you have promised thank you for hearing in jesus name i've prayed amen